Today's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 13 to 21. Please hear these words of the scripture. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Sue. Let's pray. O oh God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. Enable us to be receptive to your message this morning and challenge us to live more fully for you than we ever have before. Through the power of your spirit, we pray. Amen. The summer before my senior year in high school, my family went on a cross-country road trip. We packed our camping trailer up, we climbed into my dad's big Chevy truck, and we headed out west for four weeks. We saw the Rocky Mountains in Colorado, went horseback riding in the Grand Tetons, watched Old Faithful erupt, and on the way back, we traveled through the Badlands and saw Mount Rushmore. Now, even as I say this, I realize that I don't remember everywhere that we went, or even the route that we took to get there. But my parents, they remember. They spent months poring over the Rand McNally Road Atlas. Do you remember those? Did the road atlases, right? They still make them, I found out on the Google, yes. And they used this big road atlas to find the best route from one location to the next to the next, taking into consideration time of day, rush hour around cities, traffic patterns, anything that they could think of that would affect our travel plans. So then by the time we left, they had the whole four weeks planned out. We left at six, well, all right, here we go. First of all, my mother and father listened to my sermon at the 8.30 service and texted me some corrections. I thought we left at, at 6 o'clock in the morning. We left at 3 o'clock in the morning, my mother notified me, because she remembers because she didn't sleep that night. 
But we left that early, and they knew when to leave so that we would get through Chicago before rush hour. Because a 30-whatever-foot trailer and a one-ton dually in rush hour in Chicago is not fun. So we got there before then. And we all had our very clear roles. Dad was the driver of the rig. Mom was the navigator. Me and my brother, we were supposed to entertain ourselves in the back of the truck while not being too distracting to the driver and the navigator. That was our job. And my dad, as we drove, he knew the basic route. And he would then affirm directions with my mom every once in a while. And then there were those times where we would get to a city or other places where there were lots of twists and turns. And that was our cue in the back seat to be quiet because there was a lot of information going back and forth between the navigator and the driver. Inevitably, though, through this trip, no matter how much they planned and plotted and our course, there we encountered so many points of road construction and road closures that would put a wrinkle in this well-thought-out plan. So my mom, she would pull out this big Rand McNally atlas and have it on her lap on the front of the truck, and she would navigate us around whatever obstacle it was and then eventually get us back onto our planned route. And it was in those moments when mom had the big atlas out that my dad really had to trust her. He didn't know why we were going to take that next exit, but he had to trust the navigator who had the big picture sitting there and could see how everything worked together. Now today we start our new worship series called Road Trippin' with Jesus because I thought it was fun. And over the next six weeks, we are going to look at texts from the Gospel of Luke when Jesus was journeying from, to Jerusalem with his growing group of disciples. And as he traveled with his disciples, he told these different parables and stories that helped them to see how their everyday lives and their everyday thoughts connected with their life with God. And as I read over these stories, I came to connect discipleship with going on a road trip with Jesus. Because with the road trip and with discipleship, we learn as we travel along the road. With Jesus and discipleship, we learn as we travel along the road of life with Jesus as our navigator. And like with any road trip, we need to be ready for anything, right? with life and with a road trip. And we need to know our budget before we leave. And we even need to be willing to pick up a hitchhiker or two along the way. Well, that last one, I don't know about real life, but in the, in the story in a few weeks, you'll understand that. So just, that's a teaser, okay? We'll go with that. So in today's scripture, we hear someone in the crowd asking Jesus to help him with some legal issues. It was common in first century Palestine for Jews to ask rabbis for legal rulings because the, they would see the, the rabbis as this well-respected authority. Jesus, or the man saw Jesus as this well-respected rabbi who influenced people and could convince his brother to give him his inheritance now. 
And so the man speaking to Jesus, we can assume that he's the younger brother because with Jewish law, the firstborn son is the one who receives the double portion, okay? I'm setting up all of this kind of background information for us to make sense of the scripture. And so the firstborn gets the double portion of the father's estate. Then eventually, they're the ones that decide how to divide the remaining parts of the estate among all of the other brothers. Now, this younger brother, he wants his part of the estate divided now. And he thinks Jesus can help convince his brother of doing that. But Jesus, we see in the scripture, he refuses because he sees through the younger brother's scheme. He doesn't trust what the younger brother is saying. And instead, he uses the situation, like Jesus often does, as a teaching moment. So the younger brother, if he simply wanted his share of the inheritance, that would have already been taken care of by Jewish law. So Jesus knows that this brother actually wants more than what's supposed to be given to him. It's not the, the portion that he wants, it's not fair or just. Because as a wealthy farmer and landowner, this younger brother, he wants a bigger inheritance. He wants to obtain more wealth. He wants to advance his status in the community at the expense of his older brother and his other brothers. And so then in verse 15, Jesus says, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life doesn't consist in the abundance of possessions. And then Jesus goes on to tell the parable of the rich fool. Now this parable is about a man who has this thriving farm, farming business. And his land has produced so abundantly that he doesn't have enough space in his barns to store all of his harvest. So he plans to pull down his barns and then build bigger ones for all of his grain and all of his goods. And then he knows that he'll have plenty set aside for the future, and then he can relax and eat and drink and be merry. That's what the scripture says. At first, though, when we, we call this the, the parable of the foolish farmer or the foolish rich man, but why, when we look at it at first, do we call this man a fool? Isn't this what we're supposed to do? He kind of just sounds like a good businessman. Well, yes, and then also no. The rich farmer isn't a fool because he's wealthy or because he saves for the future. He's a fool because he, he lives only for himself. He's talking about himself to himself. And he believes that life security is found in all of the abundance of his possessions that he has given to himself. In this scripture, in verse, starting in verse 17, we can see him have a conversation with himself. He says, well, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. And then he responds to himself. And he says, well, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all of my grains and goods. And then I'll say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. You may relax, eat, drink, and be merry. So first of all, I'm imagining this guy just talking to himself. And then we kind of wonder if he's okay, right? But this land, he's... It's, a, it's produced abundance. And I'm sure that he has worked hard to make all of this happen. But 
there's no sense of gratitude to God who has given him the land, who has enabled all of this. There's no gratitude for workers because he didn't plant and then harvest this bumper crop all by himself. And he has more grain and goods in storage than he could ever hope to use, yet he seems to not have any thoughts about sharing with others or giving a portion of what he has to God. He's unable or unwilling to see the fact that his life is not his own to secure, but that others, including God, have helped him to get there. And he has no concept. This is a big one. He has no concept that the future is not promised, that his many years of eating and drinking and being merry, it's not guaranteed. In the past couple of centuries, we have made great strides in our medicine and our technology, enabling us to fight diseases and live longer and and cure many things that used to decimate populations. And yet, I think, especially since COVID, we know all too well that we are still vulnerable humans. We are fragile beings, and we don't know what tomorrow or even the next hour is going to bring to us. And then because of this uncertainty and this this insecurity that we feel, we're sometimes tempted to strive to gain this security through things like our possessions, through things that we have. And we become like this foolish farmer, not because of the wealth or the ambition, but because we give finite things infinite value. We try to insulate ourselves from the fear and the unknown with the things. And like this foolish farmer, we're tempted to think that if we have these large amounts of money and possessions all stored up for us, we'll be fine. We'll be secure. It'll all be good. But sooner or later, we remember that no amount of wealth or property can secure our lives. No amount of wealth can protect us from a genetically inherited disease or or from a tragic accident. No amount of wealth can keep our relationships healthy and our families from falling apart. That's where we remember to put our trust our faith, our hope in God, rather than the material objects. That's what works. That's what helps us in the grand scheme of things, is to put our hope, our trust, our faith in a God who can see the whole picture, not just the little part that is in front of us, not that little part of road that we are traveling down at this very moment. When we were out west with my parents, first, I, I don't think I said this, um, I do want to recognize that as I'm talking about my parents, going, we went on a road trip, however many years ago that was, I don't even know, it was a lot of years ago. My parents are actually left this morning at five o'clock in the morning to go on another cross-country road trip for six weeks. So they are currently driving in the car doing this same thing that I'm talking about in the sermon, which is, I didn't plan it, but I think it's very fun. 
on that road trip that we went on years ago, and I'm sure it's going to happen on this one, when we would get to those places of construction, and we would have to look at everything, and my mom would pull out the atlas and lay it out, and she'd get all the different little maps that she would, like, I don't know, print off of MapQuest or, like, the other ones that you unfold and all of that. Things would get tense in the car, in the truck, right? And I don't think, I say this, I don't think we're the only family where this has happened. Right? Okay, thank you. My mom would have to use her map skills, and oh my heavens, does this lady have some map skills. Like, she's real good at navigating. And then she would have to quickly find a route while we're driving down the road, and my dad has this whole rig behind us, and he's going, Marilyn, where are we going? And she's like, ah! So my dad, in those crazy moments, would have to trust my mom because he couldn't see the map that was sitting over here on her lap. He had to look at the road, right? That's where we want his eyes. But my mom was a great navigator, and my dad knew that. He would change lanes, he would make turns, trusting that this person who could see the whole map, who could see the whole picture, not just the bit of road in front of us, knew what they were doing and was going to guide us along the way. My question for us is, are we willing to trust our navigator? Are we willing to trust Jesus who sees the whole picture? who doesn't just see this moment right here, who doesn't see the road right in front of us, but can see the grand scheme of things. Even when we get to the construction of life, which it seems like we are inevitably in right now, the past few years, right? Even when those hard things happen, we know that God can see the whole picture and can guide us through. So I pray that this week, as we are continuing along our journey with God, that we can trust in God. We can trust that those things that we can't see, our God and one another, that that's where we receive the truly valuable gifts that this world has to offer. The gifts of meaning, of relationship, and of God's unconditional love. Amen? As the, the band comes up and prepares to lead us in some singing, as we um, move into a time of praying with one another and for one another, I would like to encourage those who are joining online to please use the comments on Facebook um, or prayer at brexelumc.com to share any joys or concerns as we pray with and for one another. And I would like to invite us to please stand in body or in spirit as we sing together.
shaping my life and all I
my God, you never will. Amen. I want to invite you to be seated. What? Center. Okay. I'm going to come over here. Because that's what I'm told to do, and I listen to what I'm told to do sometimes. As we come to a time of sharing um, our joys and concerns with one another, um, I do want to say I want to thank Kara for being um, leading our children's moment this morning. Um, Jenny is off with her girls celebrating. Um, Elena is is doing having a vow renewal in a couple of weeks. They had a COVID wedding and now they're doing a vow renewal, and so they're spending some time together as a family um, this weekend with all the girls. So safe travels for their road trip back, and just for that, and for Kara to come and willingly lead with us, and um, it is a joy to have. Um, new leaders stepping up and, and participating in ministry with us. Um, one of the things that Jamie um, normally says um, on a Sunday morning is that we are here to honestly worship together. And so that happens when we are praying and we are, when we are listening. It happens when there are kids running around and when we're having a baptism and, oh my gosh, he's sleeping in the front row and it's the most adorable thing in the world. But all of this is for God's glory. And as we bring our prayers, our prayers are um, for the family of Mike and Bev, whose father passed away this past week, for Carl, who is Gail Huth's brother, who is in hospice care, for Mary Lou and her family as her husband passed away recently, and prayers for Gertie going through difficult family issues and for Joy, who is recovering from a pulmonary embolism and back surgery. We know that there are many other things that are laying on our hearts, joys, celebrations, but also those things that are difficult and hard. And so we bring them all to God now. Let us pray together. Almighty God, we come to you today in confidence. For this world in which we live, it is your world. It's brought into being through your love for all of your people. And so we bring our concerns before you, knowing that you are waiting to hear us and you are waiting to respond. So God, we pray that you will teach us how to provide for ourselves, to be mindful of our needs, yet also mindful of others, and that God is calling us to put our trust in Jesus. God, help us to spend our time, our money, our energy in a manner that is worthy of your kingdom of love. And God, make this church, your church, a place of generosity where people work together, giving all that they are, all that they have, so that the wonderful resources of your world might be better shared with everyone. And God, we pray today for people who wander through life, for those who are struggling to find a purpose and a reason for living. God, we pray for those who are in the throes of addiction. God, those who are in prison. God, we pray for those who are hurting, those who have lost a loved one and are mourning, those who are caring for others. 
God, we pray that each and every one of them might find in you your love, your accepting, acceptance, and your wholeness. And we pray all of these things in the beautiful name of Jesus as we pray the prayer that he taught his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I should have also added a prayer for our technology, because I guess the, the joystick that's controls the cameras for online you're getting a big wide view right now because the joystick just decided it didn't want to work so we need to pray for technology at all times and also i do want to give a shout out to our our online moderator mr max who's up and um, he's up in the balcony and he was moderating the chat and helping us out there's and that's kind of a shout out to one of our action steps, because as we leave, we want to empower you to go into the world, to, to live out our mission, to create safe spaces, not just here, but in the entire world. And one of the ways that we can do that here is through helping with AV and ushers. We are in need of people to help you. You do not have to have any knowledge whatsoever of anything, and we will help you and, and guide you and give you the education that you need to be an usher, which is just a friendly face on a Sunday morning, helping to guide people, and AV to make all of the magic happen here and um, online. And then also, it is um, Bob to Shannon, who is a longtime member here. Um, it's going to be his 100th birthday in a couple of weeks. Hello, sir. And so we want to surround Bob with some love for his 100th birthday. And so there's, um, his address is in the bulletin, and you can connect, you can get it um, from the church office and send him a card and just let him know that we love him and are caring for him. And then also we have a concert coming up here on August 8th, a Monday at 7 o'clock. It's the Greater Cleveland Flute Society concert. And that is, um, they actually came and played here during this service, um, I think a few months ago, and absolutely breathtaking music. And we're going to have a concert here. It's, uh, it's absolutely free, and it's a way to bring your, your friends and come and just celebrate in um, the gifts that God gives each one of us. And then finally, we have our next Habitat for Humanity Workday, which is on the 25th of this month, and you can sign up to help with that either a couple of hours, morning or afternoon, or both. And it's a way that you can work with your hands. And again, there's really not any skill needed. We will teach you everything that you need to know, and you just come and you just serve so that we can help give um, a family some affordable housing. And so with all of that, let us go, let us receive the, good, the benediction so we can go and do the good work of Jesus. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Go in peace and not in pieces. Amen.
right, y'all. Have a wonderful week.